Hey, thanks for being here today. If you're visiting, my name is uh, Mark, and I'm the pastor. And uh, it's my privilege to speak on most uh, Sundays here. We're finishing up a sermon series that we've uh, titled Leaving a Legacy, Passing the Baton of Faith uh, On. And I was reminded at the end of last Sunday's message of um, the importance that we pass on a legacy, uh, both positively and also negatively as well. And I had someone come up to me and, and talk to me about a situation going on in their family, about how a um, uh, pastor um, told his uh, daughter that he is leaving his um, wife. And uh, I think this message today probably started right there for me. Uh, just the absolute truth of the fact that the Bible calls, all, calls us to pass on positive legacies, but obviously if you um, totally stick your head in the sand and, um, and forget or don't mention the fact that negative legacies can be passed on as well, you're only telling half of the story. The Bible in many places, I, I, I could have gone to many families in the Bible today about passing on negative legacies. And... Um, Difficult things get passed on in families. And um, it's important to recognize that. It's important to know that. It's an important to be able to address that. I've been, I've been um, I don't know what the right word is. I don't like the word hurt. Um, but I, I've been affected by um, a man that I really respected in the Christian faith who died about a year and a half ago. And after he died, it's come out that he kind of lived a double life. Um, this is nothing uh, that, there's no, been no secret. It's, it's, if you pay attention to things like this, this has been all through the evangelical news. But a man by the name of Ravi Zacharias, who I looked up to uh, quite a bit, um, have quoted him many times from this pulpit. have uh, paid money to go hear him speak, have, um, have uh, bought his books. Uh, after he died, uh, much has come out that he lived a double life. And since, since all that has come out, um, there have been times in researching my messages that I've um, came across something, a, a quote of his, or something that I would say wow that really fits well here but I couldn't use it um, you could argue that the guy did a lot of good for the kingdom of God but will always be remembered now By the way, his life ended. To his credit, his organization, which is a national organization, worldwide organization, has done their due diligence and done their investigation, and um, they have been open and upfront about what they found out and so forth and so on, and I respect the organization in trying to do that. But the fact is, because of the legacy that this man now leaves, um, his, um, his name will not be remembered uh, gosh, will not be remembered fondly anymore. 
I just, I can't, I can't come and, 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 and say, uh, you know, here's what Robbie Zacharias said about that, you know. And maybe, uh, you know, God, God, I don't know how God works all that out. You know, God certainly used him, but I can't figure all that out and how it all ended. But it's an example of how, how you are remembered many times by not all of the good things that you did, but by the difficult circumstances, uh, at least in Robbie's case, that were uncovered. Um, I'm deeply affected by that. That bothers me tremendously. I looked up to him. And that's just an example of, of the truth that negative legacies are, can be left as well. Obviously, when we talk about leaving a legacy, we talk about positive legacies. We want to do that. But it's absolutely true that negative legacies can be left as well. Throughout families... Throughout families, legacies of alcohol addiction uh, can get passed on and um, can get in families. And some people say it's a disease. I believe it is a disease once you've made the decision. Some people say it's not a decision because I don't understand about all of that kind of stuff. I really don't. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. I, I suppose some people may have a certain tendency for that. I don't know, but alcoholism can get in families. Um, low, low self-esteem and um, low expectations can get in families. As I deal with uh, people throughout my ministry, low-income folk that, that we try to help... Uh, uh, I see it permeates through that um, that there is um, low expectations for them to succeed in life, however you would determine success, and we could determine that in a lot of different ways. I can remember an elementary school preacher, excuse me, elementary school principal in this um, in this town, who uh, talked to me about a parent that came up to him after some kind of assembly was the where the principal was was uh, encouraging the kids to be all they can be. You can be whatever you want to be and a normal talk of truth that those kids uh, can, should hear. And, but the parent, a parent came up to him and said, uh, don't uh, give my son hope that he can be more than he is. Some people set the bar real low and setting the bar real low is sometimes because, uh, you know, parents have never um, set it high enough. Parents have never said, you can do better for me. It's, it's Hopefully for most of us in this room, we all want our kids to do better than we did. I think if things go right in families, kids do better than the parents did. If things go the way they should. And better means a lot of different ways. But I, I see as I dealt now for 26 years with people who are of low income and people who are struggling in life, they, um, they struggle with low, ex low expectations. And that can get passed on into, uh, into families. Bitterness can get passed on. As I say that word bitterness, I, I think some things can, 
probably go through some of your mind. We all go through very difficult stuff in life, very difficult stuff. And bitterness can permeate and get inside of a family. And, 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 and how can you break that cycle? Uh, how can you break cycle of bitterness, what life has done to me, and that kind of negative attitude in mom and dad or grandma and grandpa can get passed down and kids hear that and they get a victimhood type of mentality. And if there's anything that Scripture talks about that is, that is not right, that is not biblical, is that we are, are victims of previous generations. We may suffer consequences from previous generations. If my dad was an alcoholic, I'm just going to suffer consequences because of his alcoholism, because of the money that he spent on alcohol, because of what he did when he was uh, drunk, on possibly the way that he treated me and the way that he treated mom and so forth and so on. Maybe kept a job, maybe didn't keep a job. Obviously, there's consequences. But I don't have to be a victim. I don't have to be a victim of that. I, I, that legacy that is passed down from me, I can break that cycle because of the grace of God in my life. And I just see so many people that, that claim this victim, and this is, this is who we are, and this is, this is all we've ever been for generations in our families, and, and I know that there can, be, there can be more and there can be better in all kinds of ways, from spiritually to, to socially to economically. You, you are not predestined to, to, to live the same life your dad lived, and that's a positive and a negative. I'm not predestined to, to live the good life my father lived, or you would not maybe be predestined to live the life that your alcoholic dad lived because we all have choices and I just wanted to come in this morning and just at the end of this series of messages on leaving a legacy, talking about breaking the cycle. Things do not have to get passed down. But as I look at families and at people, they do. And it takes a person, it takes a, a young person, it takes a family, it takes, it takes a husband, it takes a wife, it, to, saying that this stops here in our family. That this will not continue in our family. The cycle is broken right here. I came to tell you one overarching thing and a few kind of things underneath that, but I just want to tell you something that I expect you think a preacher to say, but I believe it now, today, as I've been preaching now 27 years or whatever it's been, more than I did probably the first day ever before I was ever a Christian or when I was first a Christian. I just want to tell you that because of Jesus your family does not have to define you because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, your family does not have to define you. Now, hopefully, in a positive way, your family does define you because of Jesus. In a positive way. If it, if it works the way God's Word says it should work and wants to work, it, it, your family should define you. And as things are passed on, the baton is passed on. We said a few weeks ago that, that, that you cannot pass on what you don't possess. And as you possess faith yourself and as you, you have something going on inside of you, you're able to pass that on and that can hopefully define the next generations. But when you look at it in a negative way, which you've got to look at it or you stick your head in the sand if you don't, you don't talk about the elephant in the room. If you don't talk about the other side of this, you've also got to 
be able to say that, that because of things in my family, uh, because of Jesus, those things do not have to define me. They really don't. Every now and then you'll hear somebody talk about, or may, maybe you'll read, you'll, you'll hear about um, something that I even hear about in the Christian realm sometimes, uh, generational curses. It's not a biblical thought. It's not a biblical thought. There are generational consequences that I'll have to deal with and work through in my life. There's no question about that. But somehow that God is a God that, that, that curses. Now I know where that comes from, and it's a, it's a very difficult passage of Scripture. It's in, it's in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. And the second commandment is given and says that you're not supposed to make an image the form of anything in heaven or above or the earth beneath or the waters below. And you should not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And here we get a, a difficult passage of Scripture. Punishing the children of the sin, for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Now how do you, how do you, how do you de determine and interpret a passage of Scripture uh, that is um, like that? That it, that's a difficult passage of Scripture. You interpret it with other passages of Scripture, and we don't, we don't see anywhere else in, in Scripture that God somehow has cursed people. Here he's talking about consequences for, for, for people who have hate me to the third and fourth generation for people that have hate me. But the next verse is a hopeful verse for when that cycle can be broken and that cycle can be turned around, but showing love to a thousand generations. Three or four generations for those that hate me, but a thousand generations for those who walk in my, walk in my ways. What he's talking about there are, are consequences. Uh, what you will sow, you will eventually reap, Galatians chapter 6 tells us. And that's a positive and a negative thing in our life. And consequences will remain. And you can work through that consequences, but I want to tell you that because of Jesus and the new creation that he brings into your life and because of his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, that your family, and I'm talking about a negative family here, your negative family experience does not have to define you. Now, can I, tell you, can I be honest with you? I don't, I don't really know what I'm preaching this morning because I had a positive family experience. So some of you out there that have had negative family experiences say, well, Mark, yeah, you know, you don't know what to talk about. And I guess I, I don't. I, 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 we hear a lot of word about privilege today, don't we? We hear a lot of things about privilege today. Can I tell you that I was very privileged because I had a Christian upbringing? My privilege had nothing to do with my race. It had everything to do with the type of home that I was raised in. Unbelievable privilege. I, by the grace of God, avoided so much stuff that families go through because my mom and dad were Christians. And so some of you weren't raised in those kind of homes, and, and it's hard for me many times to even understand that because I had... <sighs> I can't imagine some of the ways, things that I found out on some of the ways that people were raised because my upbringing was so foreign to that. I was indeed privileged. But 
even if you're one of those people today that have had uh, an upbringing that you don't look back on with uh, gratefulness and thankfulness like I do, I'm here to tell you that because of the new birth that's found in Jesus Christ, uh, your past family does not have to define you. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. You are responsible. You are a responsible person. The Bible tells us that from, all, from, from front to back, from the 46th verse of the Bible maybe, where, it says, uh, where God says, you know, you can't eat from this one tree, and if you eat from this tree, then I'm going to hold you responsible from that. Uh, from, from, from that one passage all the way through, we are people of responsibility. We make our own choices. These graduates stood in front of you here today, and I, I was kind of feeling bad about preaching kind of a negative and very sober message today, but it's a message that maybe they should hear because their life is front of them, and their life is a function of the choices that they will make. Now, they've had, they've had maybe a good start because of their upbringing, or maybe they've had a bad start because of their upbringing. I don't know. But from this day forward, they choose. They will choose what direction they will go. And their life will be a function of the choices that they make. Good, bad, or indifferent. All the way through. Just because a family has raised a kid right doesn't mean he's going to make good choices. We are people of responsibility. Ezekiel chapter 18 teaches us that in the Old Testament. The one who sins is the one who will die. The Old, Test the Old King James says the one who sinneth dies. It's personal responsibility. The child will not share the guilt of the parent. When the parents share the guilt of the child, the righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. <laughs> you are not a victim of your dad or your mother or their dad, or their mother. You may suffer consequences because of that. In fact, you will. But you are not destined to be able to live out that same kind of life. You can break that cycle. You really can. I'm looking at a lot of people who had good Christian upbringings that, that you're, thankful, you're thankful for. But I know well I'm, I'm talking to some who did not have that kind of upbringing. I had a lady first service came up to me in tears afterwards. She says, you can't imagine the home that I was raised in. I call that lady's out, name out right now, and many of you would know her. And she can, you can imagine the abuse that was inflicted upon me, upon my um, mother, And she said, it's been my life's desire to break that cycle and not pass that on to my children. Like father, like son, we hear that. And I think that that can be true, but it's not a 100% thing, whether positively or negatively. It doesn't have to be true negatively. Cycles can be broken. And cycles are broken by positive choices. I've talked to you about this passage time and time again, Deuteronomy chapter 30. 
verse 19. God saying, speaking through Moses, as the people of Israel are about to go into the promised land and have a land of milk and honey, he says, hey, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Here it is. Life is set before you. Here it is, grads. Your life is before you. Life and death, blessings and curses. And God, ever the God who's involved in your life and wants the best for you, says, now choose life. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, so that you may pass on a legacy from your children to grandchildren. Friends, we're talking about choices. We're talking about individual responsibility. We're talking about because of Jesus. You do not have to pass on to your kids what was passed on to you. Hopefully you pass on positive things, but I'm not talking about the positive end of it today. Hopefully that's the family that you were raised in, if that was not a positive family, that family does not have to define you. You can break that cycle. And one way that you, you break that cycle is that you're called to honor a mother and father, but you're not called to follow in their ways. Bible tells us to honor our mothers and fathers. That word literally means to make heavy. That means to, to give weight to. That means to respect. Very difficult thing when, when you reach a certain age and you realize that you've not been raised in the right way and you have to kind of turn your back on the way that you were raised. It's a very, very difficult thing. One, one, a thing that I have no clue of, of, of how to do because I didn't tell you. I didn't have that in my own life. So I didn't have that personal experience to be able to tell you this is how I broke that cycle in my life. But friends, we're called to honor our mother and father. We're not called to follow in their ways. And there are times that you have to say no to the way that you were raised. And how a difficult thing that is. And even a difficult thing for me to say. Because it seems so unloving and seems disrespectful. Jesus said in Luke 14, verse 26, a passage of scripture I've never preached on because I'm not sure totally if I, told, if I really understand it. Jesus said, if anyone comes after me and does not hate your mother and father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. The word hate is a good translation. I wish Jesus didn't use that word because it messes us up in trying to understand that. But obviously we're not called to hate our mother and father. We're called to turn and walk in a different way than they are many times. If we've not been raised in the proper way, we're called to, to not follow in their ways. If you won't follow in the way, if you refuse not to follow in the ways of your mother and father, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters, you cannot be my disciple, Jesus said. Jesus is talking about breaking the cycle. Jesus is talking about how to break away from a, a negative legacy that has been passed down from generation to generation. For that to be passed down, 
is a, a natural thing as we observe things uh, and, and as we see how our moms and dads do things, as we see how our grandparents and our extended family does things. But there comes a time in your life where you get enlightened to that and hopefully you can say, that's not the way that I want to be. It's very discouraging for me sometimes as we deal with poor folk, lower income folk. One of the problems with those folks is they sometimes don't have expectations that they can be able to get through that, get out of that. The poor you always have with you, Jesus said, but the poor don't have to stay poor. <laughs> and you can be poor in a myriad of ways. You can be poor spiritually, you can be poor socially, you can be poor economically. And one of the great depressing things for me in ministry is how hard it's been to help people break through that cycle because it seems like things do get ingrained in families sometimes I look at some of our people that we minister to at Kinsey and, and I just wonder where they're going to be in 15 or 20 years unless different decisions are made and that could be true of all of us here not just true of our Riverside folks or our Kinsey folks There are reasons, there are reasons that people struggle in life. There are reasons that people struggle in life. It's not, it's not fate. It's not destiny. There are reasons people struggle in life. And those reasons are poor choices. Poor choices. And by the grace of God, empowered by his Holy Spirit, we don't have to make the mistakes that our parents made. Through our family right here, through people listening on the internet, there are probably things getting passed down. When, you're, when, you're, when your family, your kids see the way a, a husband treats a, a wife and the way they would argue and the way the disrespect sometimes they have for one another, that gets passed down, friends. That, can, that, that needs to stop. Or how does your child even know that it's not the normal way to do it? How does your child even know that it's not the way that everyday parents deal with one another? It's frustrating for me, friends. It's frustrating. To break cycles... To break cycles of dysfunction, there are three things that are really needed to do that. It takes resolve, it takes instruction, and it takes humility. If, if, if you want to break the cycle in your family, if there's something been passed down to you and, and, and there's bitterness been passed down, woe is me-ism, a victimhood, and, and never going to be more than our current station in life, if, if that's been passed down to you, the way you can break those things is resolve. It takes a certain determination. Well, we are what we are by the grace of God, but let me tell you, the grace of God will give you a godly resolve and a godly determination because the enemy doesn't want you to break those chains that yoke that you're bound that you're bound with and that could be alcoholism that 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 could, that could be low expectations uh, that could be a lot of different addictions 
I'm hesitating here because I, I heard of a family in our congregation that the amount of money they spend on a smoking addiction is unbelievable a month. You can't be a Christian to smoke, Mark. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying your life could be, that money can be spent in a whole lot of different ways. And what are you throwing, passing down to your children? <laughs> you getting too close now, Mark. I'm just frustrated because throughout my ministry, I've seen cycles that could have been broken that haven't. And what it takes is a godly resolve, a determination that by the grace of God, I'm not passing this down to my kids. By the grace of God, it stops right here. By the grace of God, I'm not going to allow my kids to think this is normal family. And that'll, that, that takes a lot of determination because the enemy will come against you if you have to turn your back on the way the family has been raised. Your family will turn against you on that. Because who are you? You're, you're, you're being self-righteous. You're getting above your raisin. You think you're better than you really are. It takes a godly determination that I hear in the voice of Joshua in chapter 24 when Joshua basically is saying, you know, to the leaders of the nation of Israel, you can live whatever way you want to live, basically. You, you, you can, it's your choice, he's saying. That's basically what he's saying. He says, but as for me and my house, but as for me and my house, You, you, you got free will, man. I mean, you, you can choose whatever you want. Blessings and curses, life and death. You choose whatever you want. But as for me and my house, I hear resolve there. I hear determination there. Empowered by the grace of God, filled by God's Holy Spirit. But there is a godly resolve that is needed to break cycles in families so that you don't pass on things that have been passed on and you want it to stop right here. I've, I've researched this because the story is almost, it, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine that this story is true, but I've researched it in several different places and I get the same thing time and time again. The old song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, goes back to an African tribe where one member of that African tribe chose to become a Christian and turn his back on the pagan ways of his ancestors worshiping other gods. Well, the leader of that tribe didn't like that at all and told him to recount, recant the way that he is now believing. And he said to the leader of the tribe, he says, I've decided to follow Jesus. Well, the leader of the tribe uh, said, if you don't recant, then, then I'm going to have the archers uh, spear your wife. That's, that sounds hard to believe, doesn't it? I've, I've, I've researched this a lot. And the guy stood there and says, I've decided to follow Jesus and watch his wife and his children to get killed. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And after he, saw, after he be, buried both of his kids, he said, though none go with me, still I will follow. I pray God I'll never have to have that kind of a godly resolve. But I wonder what I'd do if I, did, if I did. It takes uh, some type of determination, a godly ability to grit your teeth, inspired by the grace of God. 
You won't pass on cycles if you don't have a godly resolve. But as for me and my house, my family can, my, my, my cousins can do that. My aunt and uncle can do that. My grandparents can do that. My mom and dad didn't do that. But as for me and my house, I'll try to honor my mom and dad. I'll try to respect my mom and dad. I'll try to give them weight and be thankful that they put a roof over my head when I couldn't put a roof over my head myself. They put clothes on my back when I couldn't put clothes on my back myself. But I don't have to follow in their ways. <laughs> Takes a godly resolve. Takes a godly resolve. It also takes a certain amount of instruction. Do you realize that just because someone becomes a Christian that uh, their life is not all of a sudden going to turn around on a dime? Their life all of a sudden is not going to be all wine and roses, a bowl of cherries? If, if, if your life has been filled with negativity, if, if your brain has been filled with, with things in your life that are not positive, that's why... Romans chapter 12 says we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You will not break the cycle if you don't have some instruction on how you're supposed to live. Because let's be honest, friends, there's a whole lot of folks who, what things we learn that we thought every family learned, they have not learned. And it's only because of my privilege that I know that. It's only because of my privilege that I assume that. <laughs> you need instruction. You need someone to say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And for all of us Xenia Nazarenes who have been blessed with a good Christian background and, and we've been blessed with privilege in a Christian way that way, it falls on us to be empathetic to people that have not been raised in the same way we have been raised. If there's any way that we can somehow invest into them, we can always believe that through that godly resolve and through, through taking out the stinking thinking and putting in godly thinking, that's, the, that's what Romans 2 is talking about. Transform from the renewing of your mind. Taking out what they've been taught and putting in new things. I don't see how one can break the cycle without instruction. I don't see how one can break the cycle without getting God's truth. And not only God's truth, but just everyday common sense things that some families haven't learned. And I, because of my privilege, have. Because I had a mom and dad that broke the cycle in their life. The Bible talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul is, is talking to Timothy. He says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. Um, uh, you will not break the cycle until you learn a new way. Getting rid of the old way is not enough. You've got to fill it with the new way. It's really, really important. Getting the old way, rid of the old way is not enough. You've got to fill it with the old way. And if you don't fill it with something new, the old will come back in. I've seen it happen too many times. 
I've seen it happen too many times. Taking out the godly, ungodly thinking and putting in godly thinking. You've got to have instruction. And that's why Hebrews 10 is, is there for us. And it's not as much as admonition that they're just supposed to come to church. It's, it's that when we come to church, we encourage one another and we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And, and the meeting together is where we get instructed and where we encourage and where we can one another each other because we need that instruction. For me, when I came to Christ, I had all of this Christian stuff in me. I wasn't walking in it, but I had all this stuff that, that mom and dad had been planted in me. And when I came to Christ, it just blossomed. It just took root. Now, friends, a lot of people don't have it in them. There's nothing there to take root. And we have to sow into those people a different way of life. I'm trying to tell you this morning that, um, friends, um, the truth is that we pass on uh, negative legacies just as much as we pass on positive legacies. And, and the only way that you will break cycles in your life is, is through a resolve to do that. It is, it's through instruction. And also, probably the hardest thing is through humility. It's through humility. Admitting, coming to grips with the fact that I need instruction. I need someone to show me the way. I, coming to grips with the fact that the way I have been going is not working for me and the things I have been taught are not working for me and the things that have been passed on are not conducive to a successful life and I have, the, have to have the humility for someone, have humility inside of me to repent of that and say, I need to learn a new way. That's hard for people. I need to learn a new way. That's hard. Really, really hard. But if you get a person that has a resolve and that can have proper instruction and is humble enough to say, teach me. Pride is mentioned over 70 some odd times in all of scripture, never once in a positive way. It's pride that keeps us from doing that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about humility to, uh, to be teachable. I'm talking about a humble spirit to be teachable. It's, it's mandatory. If you think you know it all, then you're going to stay right where you're at. A few scriptures I have right here, and then we're finishing. First scripture I have is from 1 Peter verse 5, and it talks about humility. It says, in the same way you, are young, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace. Other translations would say favor here but gives grace to the humble. <laughs> it's got to be something inside of me that says my life has not been going right. I need to learn some new things. Teach me. That's humility. Clothe yourselves with humility. God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. Do you see what Proverbs 26 verse 12 says? Do you see a person who's wise in their own eyes? 
see a person who knows it all you see a person who won't humble themselves you see a person that's not teachable there's more hope for a fool than for that person <laughs> you want to break the cycle there's got to be a certain amount of humility in your life to know you need to break the cycle Verse 20 of, of, of Proverbs 13 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. Who you hang around with, who you've been raised in, it, 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 it has effect on you. A companion of fools will suffer harm. And the last verse I have for you is in Proverbs 15, verse 31. And it says, Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Lots of times that word correction gets translated rebuke. It's a harder word. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. I'm frustrated, friends, after 26 and 27 years of ministry because it's, it's not hard to do well in life. You need to graduate from high school. You need to um, get a job and keep a job. You need to stay off drugs and alcohol. And people who do those three things have a leg up. But because of choices that we make, many times choices that get ingrained from our families, we don't put a premium on education. We don't put a premium on work ethic and getting a job and keeping a job. It's easier to get a check from the government. And choices that have been passed down from us, from alcoholic parents or drug-addicted parents, are very tough to shake sometimes. It's a very tough message, a very sobering message. Very sobering message. But I want to tell you that that negative legacy does not have to be passed down. But the first, one of the first things you have to do is realize that that was a negative legacy. And to do that, I've got to kind of be negative toward mom and dad. And that's hard. That's really hard. I've got to take a, 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 a ruthless self-examination of what I was taught in my life. And that's really hard because it feels like I'm ungrateful to my parents. And that's really, really hard. But I want to tell you to that one person, five people in here, Maybe that one or two that's listening on the internet that really want to break the cycle and not repeat the mistakes of the parents. You do not have to do that because of Jesus. Your parents do not have to define you. You are not a victim because you're a new creation in Christ, because your mind can be renewed and you can stay, take out the ungodly thinking and put in the godly thinking. You do not have to pass on in your kids what your parents passed on to you. Uh, this is a message that no one goes out and they're on, on the balls of their feet, man, after this message. But this message is just as true if I preached it the positive way. It's just as true. And because I'm a preacher that doesn't like to ignore the elephant in the room, I feel like I have to talk about this. And our responsibility not to pass on negative tendencies 
or my responsibility to say it stops here even though that's been in my family I'm not passing it on to my children and to my grandchildren and because of Jesus you don't have to do that our servers are coming to the table 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says if any man be in Christ he's a new creation old things have passed away and all things have become new you do not, do not have to pass it down to the next generation. Father, uh, everybody under the sound of my voice hasn't liked this message, and I know that. There are people here that think I should have talked nicer than I did today. But Father, I'm frustrated with repeat, mistakes being repeated. I'm frustrated with families that we try to minister to that we see the same things going on time and time again and we don't see the godly resolve and the teachability and the humility that it takes to break cycles so father I just pray that you would take this message and the spirit that's in it been given not in a haughty spirit not in a spirit that is somehow better than anyone else but in a spirit from someone who has been privileged to have the upbringing that I've had and want other people to have that upbringing. Lord, I'm for Xenia, and I want Xenia to be better. And Xenia will be better as people turn to you, as they get instruction, and as they're teachable, humble, to learn that they don't have to repeat the mistakes of their fathers. Thank you because of Jesus. My family does not have to define me. In Jesus' name, amen.